Welcome to the Equine Energy Medicine Podcast with your host, Audrey McLaughlin. Hey friends, welcome back. This is episode 36 of the Equine Energy Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, equine naturopath, nutritionist, and energy medicine practitioner, Audrey. Today we're talking about a muscle dysfunction commonly known or commonly called tying up. See, muscles are really complex tissues and they require tons of nutrients, things like protein, electrolytes, sugars, and and even repeated usage in order for muscles to function properly. Those are the ingredients of properly function functioning muscles. Um, and there are lots of different conditions that can impact muscle function directly. But today we're going to focus on tying up. Tying up can be really painful for horses. And, you know, horses that are experiencing tying up can refuse to move. Sometimes they even act colicky. It just kind of depends on the severity of the tying up episode and which specific muscles it impacts. Um, oftentimes it's triggered by strenuous exercise, uh, stress, or dietary imbalances. Now, when it's triggered by exercise. <laughs> well, anytime it's triggered at all, period, it can be from the exercise itself. But what a lot of people don't realize is that it happens in unfit horses. Um, and not exclusively, and, and not that your horse is unfit if it ties up, but that means the exertion level does not match the fitness level. And, you know, we can get into debates of, um, you know, what what constitutes a fit horse, but I can guarantee you that working your horse your competitive performance horse 40 minutes a day, twice a week, or some people even only do it an hour once a week, um, is not enough for your horse to uh, have the fitness level to do some of the things, some of the exertions that we're asking them to do. And then beyond that, um, we have to make sure that we are providing the correct balance of nutrition for these horses so that they have the reserves to um, to push through extra strenuous exercises, even if we're, you know, working on building up their fitness and stamina. Um, and then we have to also make sure that we take into account when we're feeding them what their overall lifestyle and environment is like to make that as stress-free as possible. Because stress for horses also burns the same uh, electrolytes, the same minerals, the same nutrients that uh, physical exertion and competition and performance do. Okay. So muscles, it, it are, they seem very simple, but they're actually very complex tissues. And in order to function properly, they need a few ingredients, right? They need proteins, a couple different proteins, also known as amino acids. So it's actually, they need protein period, but proteins are comprised of a bunch of different amino acids. They need electrolytes. So those are things like calcium, magnesium, sodium, and potassium are the big four. Um, they need sugars, right? And I don't mean added sugar and molasses and things like that. I just mean carbohydrates in the, in the form that they get them best from forage. And then that last ingredient that a lot of people um, overlook, well, there's a couple ingredients people often overlook, but they also need repeated usage in order to avoid lots of types of tying up. 
Now, I've mentioned that there are a few types of tying up. So just to cover those, I'll tell you, there are um, three big categories of tying up. There's exertional rhabdomyolysis, ER, um, which is um, exertional tying up. There is non-exercise associated rhabdomyolysis. Um, and there are there is traumatic rhabdomyolysis. So primarily, we're going to focus on exertional and um, non-exercise associated rhabdomyolysis. So essentially, exercise associated tying up and not exercise associating tying up. And there is some some overlap there. And in fact, we'll just touch on the non-exercise associated rhabdomyolysis. That is um, an inflammatory based myopathy, a nutritional based myopathy, or a toxin based myopathy. Um, the one that we see most often kind of outside of the exertional rhabdomyolysis or paired with it is that nutritional myopathy that goes with it, uh, that goes with the exertion or um, could be considered a root cause for the exertional uh, rhabdomyolysis or one of the root causes, of course, be, being quote unquote unfit is a big problem as well. Now, when we're looking at ER or exertional rhabdomyolysis or the type of tying up we see most often, um, usually that is a sporadic event that happens um, or is induced by activity or exercise. Um, It can also, so, and that can happen either sporadically, so every once in a while, or it can be recurrent and happen chronically. If it's sporadically, usually what has happened, and guys, this isn't, I can't possibly go into all the possibilities in this format, but if it's sporadic, usually what's happened is the horse has been asked to exercise beyond his capacity. Um, or he's asked to exercise within his normal capacity, but has been dealing with a lot of extra stress outside of that event due to increased exercise, environmental or nutritional imbalances. So, you know, any horse could experience an a sporadic episode of this exertional rhabdomyolysis at some point during their lifetime, but every once in a while, we get repeated occurrences. And when they become repeated, that's when we have chronic ER, right? And so chronic ER kind of branches off into two specific diseases. We have RER, which is recurrent exertional rhabdomyolysis. So again, that fits in that kind of description that I just mentioned, where um, a horse has exercised beyond his capacity, or or and or I should say, has been dealing with a lot of stress due to exercise or environment or nutritional imbalances. So that can become recurrent. And then the second part of that is something that you might be more familiar with, or you might have heard um, described in this way is PSSM, right? So polysaccharide storage myopathy. In cases of recurrent exertional rhabdomyolysis, usually that's pretty simple to impact, right? We can investigate into the cause. We can look at the nutritional imbalances, specifically with the minerals, metals, and main test. Although your vet may want to do some blood work in the moment, um, looking at a zoomed out picture, um, instead of just a snapshot in time with the blood, looking at a zoomed out picture where we can look at the last three months, view the last three months view through a minerals and metals main test um, is a really good way to go in and see, okay, like where are the imbalances? Of course, evaluating stressors, evaluating um, nutritional imbalances, all of that is really, really important. Um, And making sure your horse is uh, legged up properly and is in proper fitness for the job you're asking him to do. And sometimes that takes 
you know, really looking inside of ourselves and saying, are we doing what's best for this horse? Um, I talk to a lot of people who have access and ride a lot of horses. And, you know, sometimes we have that horse that, you know, I talked to somebody the other day who had bought a barrel horse, horse had been on pasture rest for about um, nine or 10 years. And um, so had been started young on barrels on pasture rest for nine or 10 years through no fault of its own. You know how the horse ad goes, right? <laughs> and so they bought them in June. And then um, so bought them in June. I talked to them at the first week of July. So we're four weeks into having owned that horse and took them to a barrel race. And then they tied up and they were, you know, like, oh, my gosh, spent all this money on this barrel horse. And, you know, we tied up on our first race and all this stuff. And guys, you know, that's not very much time, depending on how much time you put into um, legging that horse up and working for it to have been off for that amount of time. That would be like, uh, you know, me asking someone who has been on the couch sick for a year or two years or six months even, um, or is badly out of shape to get up and go run a 5k, right? Or heck, even get up and go do sprints. You're going to have some leg cramps, right? Um, And hopefully it is a, you know, a small, short, simple bout of um, exertional rhabdomyolysis and not something more serious. But it can, you can likely point, swing the pendulum towards, you know, I can see how we ended up in this mess, right? On the flip side of that is something, like I said, is that PSSM, polysaccharide storage, Uh, myopathy. um, And that is even classified further into two different categories, type one and type two. Type one, PSSM1, um, they have a, those horses have a genetic mutation of a gene that causes uh, an enzyme to convert to sugar into its storage form called glycogen um, and makes that sugar unavailable to meet the energy needs of the horse, right? So that mutation causes PSSM1, um, and it is a dominant trait, so it is passed down from from a mare or stallion to the foal. Now, PSSM2 horses don't have the gene mutation, but they still have abnormal sugar storage in the muscle, making it unavailable for use as energy. So, um, the causes of PSSM, <laughs> there's a lot of S's in that, y'all. PSSM2 has not been identified as genetic. Um, and if you look at the, you know, studies and all the information and all the top vet uh, publications, you'll see information that says that, you know, PSSM2, the kind that is not genetic, um, is the cause is unknown. Um, and... While I guess technically it is unknown, I deeply suspect that it is another form of insulin resistance. And again, this is just my hypothesis. Uh, And I base that on two things. Number one, the success that I've had in working with PSSM horses. And number two, in the fact that insulin has an impact on muscle in carbohydrate metabolism and in uh, regulating the rate of glucose transport across the cell membrane in muscles. Just my, my thoughts there. But we're primarily talking, and really we can, we can talk uh, both about this in the term of just that, you know, chronic or, um, or sporadic exertional rhabdomyolysis or tying up. If we look at just those and we take PSSM out of the equation, 
Or if we leave PSSM2 in the equation, you can kind of work with these animals in the same way. Before we get into what I would do for a horse that has a history of either a single or chronic uh, tying up episode, let me just preface this but with saying that um, if your horse is tying up, that this is considered a time to call your vet, right? Particularly if the, if the horse is having severe sweating, doesn't want to move, has dark urine, you want to make sure you get your vet out there um, and to... to make sure your horse is okay. All right. The vet's probably going to do some blood work, like I said. Um, and that's going to, they're going to look for increased concentrations of creatinine kinase, CK, of AST, of LDH, and some other things. They're also probably going to do a urinalysis, maybe. Uh, depends on who your vet is. Um, but sometimes they do those to detect those electrolyte imbalances. On the way long end, so if this becomes a chronic thing, they might suggest a muscle biopsy or that genetic testing to see if we're looking at PSSM2 um, or to check and see under a microscope with a muscle biopsy. I'm sorry, PSSM1 for genetic testing. um, And then for a muscle biopsy to check to see if they have normal muscle tissue. In my experience, um, very few vets go as far as the muscle biopsy. Um, but sometimes they do. All of that to say, if your horse is actively tying up, call the vet. Okay. Now, after the vet's gone and you have a diagnosis or you have an idea or an avenue what the vet thinks it is, then we can proceed with what to do about it. Right. So obviously maintaining hydration is critical. Um, I suggest doing a minerals and metals main test if your horse has a history of tying up so that we can make sure that we are getting electrolytes balanced. There are a lot of people out there that will um, point to let's test the hay and then let's balance, let's balance the, that hay to make sure that the right nutrients are going in. But it doesn't matter always what nutrients are going in. That's only one small piece of the puzzle. We also have to know how the horse digests and absorbs and puts those nutrients to use. I can show you case after case after case after case of mineral balanced hay or hay that is balanced with whatever minerals. And they've done a fantastic job of balancing it. They can do the math really well. But it doesn't matter if that horse cannot put those minerals to use. Um, The next thing is replenishing electrolytes, right? So it might be that in extreme conditions, your horse has to have um, increased electrolytes. And that also might be the, um, the tool that the vet uses to help your horse come out of the tying up episode. Long term, we want to make sure that we are providing a very balanced, nutritionally balanced, minerally balanced diet that is very low in NSC. And people will sometimes say, hey, Audrey, I'm feeding, you know, whatever brands low NSC product. I'm like, okay, what's the NSC? And they're like 18%. And I'm like, oh, no, that's not low. What we mean by low is below 10%. Okay, that's my recommendation. Um, below 10% NSC, which is non-structural carbohydrates, starch and sugar. Um, That is essential for ensuring optimal health for horses, period, but particularly for horses with a history of either chronic or recurrent or even single episodes of tying up. That can help prevent electrolyte imbalances. It can help prevent uh, vitamin deficiencies. Again, ensuring that minerals are balanced, knowing 
what what minerals your horse is out of balance in, particularly things like sodium, potassium, and calcium, because those are really, really important for proper muscle function. Um, and then also ensuring that you give extra electrolytes when a horse is sweating excessively and working hard. I'm not a fan of giving electrolytes just every morning or every night just for fun. Um, definitely give minerals, yes, but electrolytes need to be given in a four-hour window before, during, or after the horse has worked. And these things that we're talking about aren't just airy-fairy, uh, and they're not even just holistic and natural. It's really uh, well studied that equine diets that are lower in carbohydrates uh, carbohydrates, higher in fat, and um, higher in minerals reduce incidences of tying up. Uh, and it's generally thought because of the increased availability of the free fatty acids as energy sources. So think of it like a keto diet for horses, um, which helps to lower the response of insulin, and thus pro- uh, provides less of that sugar storage glycogen accumulation in the muscles. All in all, the message I want you to hone in on here is that um, whether your horse is tied up once, has tied up chronically, or has been officially diagnosed with PSSM 1 or 2, that there are ways to um, ensure proper management and ensure a long, sound life for these horses, including proper training, a well-balanced, this is diet, guys, well-balanced nutrition right? Essential to minimize episodes of tying up, um, to ensure you are increasing the demands of exercise very, very slowly to minimize stress in the horse's environment. And we haven't talked a lot about what that stress is. I'll touch on that real quick. Um, but all of those things makes the management, um, and the soundness of the horse much, much easier to, to manage, to contribute to. And like I said, real quick, touching on the stress, and it may be that we could do a whole episode on what stresses out a horse, but, and I kind of say in jest that everything stresses out a horse, but generally, I mean, horses are um, flight animals, they're prey animals. So by nature, uh, you know, a lot of the things that we use them for competitively, we're taking advantage of one of those prey animal functions like flight, the ability to pick up and take off fast. But when we're looking at uh, tying up, We're talking about things um, like heat stress, transport stress, cold stress, um, oxidative stress. We're looking at things like um, poor nutrition stress, right? And then also environmental stress, if I didn't say that as well. So, and like I said, we could probably do an entire episode on that. But your big takeaway here, your big, big takeaway is like I said, we're going to try to wrap this episode up again, (laughs) Uh, that tying up can take various forms, but with proper management and training and balanced nutrition, it can absolutely minimize and eliminate episodes, period. So don't lose hope. I'm here if you have questions and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Equine Energy Medicine Podcast. Ratings and reviews are always appreciated. We'll catch you in the next episode.